Tiki Hut Media. If I do feel bad about my drinking, I would come here. Because you guys set a whole new bar. Pop the top on your favorite beer, or whatever you drink, from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hello, got my Modelo cracked open today and ready for a new edition of Soul Ramblings Podcast. It's been over a month since I've been able to be with you. I tell you, this past month brought a lot of different changes and a lot of things that kind of put a pause button. We pressed the pause button on the podcast uh, out of necessity more than anything else. I came down with the Rona, the COVID. I had covid uh, I, I'm fully vaccinated and everything, but I came down with COVID. Uh, I'm sure it was this Omicron variant, but uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. So that knocked me out of recording for a couple of weeks, being being able to get into the studio and be with you on a weekly ba- basis. That was the main thing. And so finally, I'm able to get back into the studio and be with you on Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm so happy about that. On today's episode, I'm going to preach the greatest sermon ever preached. Now, it's going to be me reading the t- <laughs> reading the greatest sermon ever preached. This is not one I came up with. I'll give you more details coming up. We've also got a book review. I spent the past month not only Netflix binging, but also reading a lot, and I uh, want to review a couple of books that I've gone over over the next few weeks. But before we get to all of that, I do want to let you know that I will be preaching. I was originally scheduled to preach and fill in back in January when I had COVID at my home church, Trinity United Methodist Church in Bradenton, Florida. Well, of course, I was unable to do that. I'm going to get an opportunity, God willing, this Sunday to preach at Trinity, and we'll have a link in the show notes of this episode for Trinity United Methodist Church and their Facebook page. You can catch it on Facebook Live or on the website. You can live stream that at 10.15 Eastern Time this Sunday. And we'll also have that sermon, the audio from that sermon, coming up on next week's episode if everything works out correctly. Right now, I also want to talk about some good news. Good news, everyone. This is some good news, actually, from the first of the year, January 1st, starting on January 1st, over a month ago, with the new year of 2022. Beauty professionals in Tennessee will be officially on the lookout for signs of domestic violence among their clients. This is great news. We have details on it from News 4 WSMV in Nashville. Amy Hooper does hair for a living at Sheer Heaven Salon. For a hairstylist or a barber, we get told everything under the moon. So we're like, our second job is a counselor, right? So we have therapy sessions all the time. She knows firsthand just how much this space can become a safe haven for conversations, including the topic of domestic violence. And I've experienced a few clients who have been that way and they've been really shy when the person would come in that was the abuser and they would shut down instantly. Starting January 1st, a new law will require licensed Tennessee beauty professionals to complete up to one hour of domestic violence training, either in person or online. The goal is to save lives. Uh, We're hoping that this training uh, is going to help Tennessee's over 50,000 licensed beauty professionals 
recognize the signs of abuse and how to respond appropriately and what resources are available. Shaka Jackson, a stylist for the past two decades, agrees this type of training will bring more awareness to an ongoing issue. We're like therapists for our clients. So this would help us recognize signs um, for as physical or as what a person may say. And with that, it'll help us um, be, help us guide that person as to what's the next proper steps for that person to take who is in that type of situation. Amy is also a domestic violence survivor. A lot of the tells are the same thing that I did and I didn't realize until it really opened up my eyes. So I've had people tell me, you know, you're being in an abusive situation. I was like, no, no, because you don't think that you are. Recently, she took a DV course during a hair show. She's hopeful her words and knowledge will translate to someone who's going through domestic violence. Really scary, but it's very important to see the tells that people show you. So that way you can help them either give them a domestic violence number, kind of slip it in their pocket, give them it with your card. Anything like that can help. In Nashville, I'm Danielle Jackson, News for Nashville. Always like to feature some good news amidst all the bad news we see day in and day out on social media, on network news and all of that. We always want to feature some good news and that is definitely some good news. During this past month, I was able to catch up on quite a bit of reading, and one of the books I read is titled The Well-Played Life, Why Pleasing God Doesn't Have to Be Such Hard Work, from one of my favorite authors. His name is Leonard Sweet. And the reason I like this book so well, it, it was a great read. I had to go back and read a couple of passages over again. It was, it was easy to read, but it was also very, very deep. And I like the book because its message is so relevant to not only my life, but I know to that of so many other Christians. So often it seems that we don't live a life of joy because, you know, our culture pushes us to succeed and to follow all these rules in order to get everything that is considered important accomplished. All this busyness, however, makes a huge negative impact on our lives and causes us to forget how to live and to take the time to just rest and enjoy the life that God has given and I really experienced that during my recovery time with COVID. Lynn Sweet uses a lot of Bible verses to show us why our culture's push for success is so wrong from God's eyes and what we need to do in order to live the life a Christian was meant to live. He teaches that most Christians make living by faith to be hard work so that they do not become poor, lazy disciples. He explains that instead of making following Christ hard work, we should focus on worshiping him both inside and out. And that is the key to finding joy in life. I thought this book had a powerful message, and I've seen the effects of trying to work out faith not only in my life, but also in those I care about. I think it's a must read for every Christian especially those who are spiritually tired. And I get that way sometimes myself. I highly suggest it. I give it five stars. Check it out. The Well-Played Life, Why Pleasing God Doesn't Have to Be Such Hard Work by Leonard Sweet. We'll be right back after this short break. You are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. 
We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. A few years ago, I was uh, attending a class on preaching. That's what the focus of the class was, is preaching and preaching styles and, and the way we craft our messages. And there was one fellow we gave, we had to, as part of this class, we had to prepare a, a short sermon, not too terribly long. And one of the fellows in that class, I can't remember his name, but when it was his turn to present his sermon that he had prepared, he opened his Bible and turned to Matthew 5. He read the whole chapter. Then he read all of chapter 6, and following that, all of chapter 7. Then he closed his Bible and then walked off from the podium. It took about 18 minutes or so, far less than the standard fare of about a half-hour sermon. You'll probably recognize that text as the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, proclaimed by Jesus, the Son of God himself. Now, here's the interesting thing. There were a lot of us that were very disappointed when he preached this sermon, even upset. Though he spoke not one original word, no one there ever forgot what he said. I can't tell you what anybody else, I can't remember what anybody else talked about that day or what their sermons were. I don't even remember my own, to be honest with you. So I thought it would be very good to focus today on the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read it today from the Phillips translation of the Bible. How happy are the humble-minded, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How happy are those who know what sorrow means, for they will be given courage and comfort. Happy are those who claim nothing, for the whole world will belong to them. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. Happy are the merciful, for they will have mercy shown to them. Happy are the utterly sincere, for they will see God. Happy are those who make peace, for they will be known as sons of God. Happy are those who have suffered persecution for the cause of goodness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And what happiness will be yours when people blame you and ill-treat you and say all kinds of slanderous things against you for my sake? Be glad then, yes, be tremendously glad, for your reward in heaven is magnificent. They persecuted the prophets before your time in exactly the same way. You are the earth's salt. But if the salt should become tasteless, what can make it salt again? It is completely useless and can only be thrown out of doors and stamped underfoot. You are the world's light. It is impossible to hide a town built on top of a hill. Men do not light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand, and it gives light for everybody in the house. Let your light shine like that in the sight of men. Let them see the good things you do, and praise your Father in heaven. You must not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to complete them. Indeed, I assure you that, while heaven and earth last, the law will not lose a single dot or comma 
until its purpose is complete. This means that whoever now relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do the same will himself be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever teaches and practices them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that your goodness must be a far better thing than the goodness of the scribes and Pharisees before you can set foot in the kingdom of heaven at all. You have heard that it was said to the people in the old days, Thou shalt not murder, and anyone who does so must stand his trial. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother must stand his trial. Anyone who contemptuously calls his brother a fool must face the Supreme Court, and anyone who looks down on his brother as a lost soul is himself heading straight for the fire of destruction. So that if, while you are offering your gift at the altar, you should remember that your brother has something against you, you must leave your gift there before the altar and go away. Make your peace with your brother first, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your opponent while you have the chance, or else he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge in turn hand you over to the officer of the court, and you will be thrown into prison. Believe me, you will never get out again till you have paid your last farthing. You have heard that it was said to the people in the old days, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yes, if your right eye leads you astray, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body should be thrown onto the rubbish heap. Yes, if your right hand leads you astray, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body should go to the rubbish heap. It also used to be said that whoever divorces his wife must give her a proper certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except on the ground of unfaithfulness is making her an adulteress, and whoever marries the woman who has been divorced also commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the people in the old days were told, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say to you, don't use an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. No, and don't swear by your own head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Whatever you have to say, let your yes be a plain yes, and your no be a plain no. Anything more than this has a taint of evil. You have heard that it used to be said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist the man who wants to harm you. If a man hits your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. If a man wants to sue you for your coat, let him have it, and your overcoat as well. If anybody forces you to go a mile with him, do more. Go two miles with him. Give to the man who asks anything from you, and don't turn away from the man who wants to borrow. You have heard that it used to be said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise upon evil men as well as good, and he sends his rain upon honest and dishonest men alike. For if you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
Even tax collectors do that. And if you exchange greetings only with those in your circle, are you doing anything exceptional? Even the pagans do that much. No, you are to be perfect like your heavenly Father. Beware of doing your good deeds conspicuously to catch men's eyes, or you will miss the reward of your heavenly Father. So, when you do good to other people, don't hire a trumpeter to go in front of you, like those play actors in the synagogues and streets who make sure that men admire them. Believe me, they have all the reward they are going to get. No, when you give to charity, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be secret. Your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. And then, when you pray, don't be like the play actors. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that people may see them at it. Believe me, they have had all the reward they are going to get. But when you pray, go into your own room, shut your door, and pray to your Father privately. Your Father who sees all private things will reward you. And when you pray, don't rattle off long prayers like the pagans who think they will be heard because they use so many words. Don't be like them. After all, God, who is your Father, knows your needs before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Heavenly Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the bread we need. Forgive us what we owe to you as we have also forgiven those who owe anything to us. Keep us clear of temptation, and save us from evil. For if you forgive other people their failures, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you will not forgive other people, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your failures. Then, when you fast, don't look like those miserable play actors, for they deliberately disfigure their faces so that people may see that they are fasting. Believe me, they have had all their reward. No, when you fast, brush your hair, wash your face, so that nobody knows that you are fasting. Let it be a secret between you and your Father, and your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Don't pile up treasures on earth where moth and rust can spoil them and thieves can break in and steal, but keep your treasures in heaven where there is neither moth nor rust to spoil it, and nobody can break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, you may be certain that your heart will be there too. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If all the light you have is darkness, it is dark indeed. No one can be loyal to two masters. He is bound to hate one, and love the other, or support one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the power of money at the same time. This is why I say to you, don't worry about living, wondering what you are going to eat or drink, or what you are going to wear. Surely life is more important than food, and the body more important than the clothes you wear. Look at the birds of the sky. They neither sow, nor reap, nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable to him than they are? Can any of you, however much he worries, make himself an inch taller? And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They neither work nor weave, but I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was never arrayed like any of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the flowers of the field, which are alive today and burn in the stove tomorrow, is he not much more likely to clothe you, you little faiths? So don't worry and don't keep saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? That is what pagans are always looking for. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Set your heart on his kingdom and his goodness, and all these things will come to you as a matter of course. Don't worry at all then about tomorrow. Tomorrow can take care of itself. One day's trouble is enough for one day. Don't criticize people, and you will not be criticized, for you will be judged by the way you criticize others, and the measure you give will be the measure you receive. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and fail to notice the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me get that speck out of your eye when there is a plank in your own? You fraud. Take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you can see clearly enough to remove your brother's speck of dust. You must not give holy things to dogs, nor must you throw your pearls before pigs, or they may trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. The one who asks will always receive. The one who is searching will always find. And the door is open to the man who knocks. If any of you were asked by a son for bread, would you be likely to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, for all your evil, quite naturally give good things to your children, how much more likely is it that your heavenly Father will give good things to those who ask him? Treat other people exactly as you would like to be treated by them. This is the essence of all true religion. Go in by the narrow gate, for the wide gate has a broad road which leads to disaster, and there are many people going that way. The narrow gate and the hard road lead out into life, and only a few are finding it. Be on your guard against false religious teachers who come to you dressed up as sheep, but are really greedy wolves. You can tell them by their fruit. Do you pick a bunch of grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a clump of thistles? Every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree is incapable of producing bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. The tree that fails to produce good fruit is cut down and burnt, so you may know men by their fruit. It is not everyone who keeps saying to me, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the man who actually does my heavenly Father's will. In that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name and do many things in your name? Then I shall tell them plainly, I have never known you. Go away from me. You have worked on the side of evil. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a sensible man who builds his house on the rock. Down came the rain and up came the floods while the winds blew and roared upon that house and it did not fall because its foundations were on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not follow them can be compared with a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Down came the rain and up came the floods while the winds blew and battered that house till it collapsed and fell with a great crash. So the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And why did that resonate? Why do 
all of us who attended that day remember that sermon, even though not one word of it was an original sermon piece. It was quoted directly from the Bible. Why do we remember that? Well, this is the point. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 gives us the reason why we remember that. It says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Are we ready for less withering grass and fading flowers and more of the forever enduring word of God? How might we actualize such a priority going forward? Well, some of you will no doubt remember the famous Wall Street brokerage house known as E.F. Hutton. I remember it from the famous catchphrase on their 1980s era television commercials. They had the tagline, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. We don't hear much about E.F. Hutton anymore. Kind of reminds me of that greatest catchphrase of all time from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Once again, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So when Jesus talks, people listen or they don't. Jesus gives us two home building packages at the end of this sermon. And these aren't spec homes to be toured during an open house weekend. They are custom homes. Though there be a thousand choices in the building of this home, only one choice ultimately matters. That choice is the foundation on which the house is built. We can choose to build our house on the firm foundation of the rock or on the shifting sediment of the sand. Only it turns out this is not really the choice at all. After all, who would willingly choose to build their house on a foundation of sand, right? The real choice is whether to listen to his words and put them into practice or to listen and not put them into practice. We're going to choose one or the other. There is no middle way. The choice we make with respect to the words of Jesus determines the outcome of the house we build. In case the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever wasn't clear enough, Jesus wants to make it even plainer. You pick the floor plan. You choose the building materials. Make it as spartan or spectacular as you want. It matters not. There are two guarantees. Guarantee number one, storms will come against your house. Guarantee number two, the foundation will determine its future. The Taj Mahal, built on a foundation of shifting sand, will fall with a great crash. The most humble shanty built on the firm foundation of the fortress of the Word of God will endure forever. And that's the point I'm trying to make. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. So, whatever happened to E.F. Hutton? Why doesn't anyone listen to E.F. Hutton anymore? There's a supreme irony here. It turns out that through a sub sustained series of over 2,000 fraudulent banking transactions, most of them small, they lost their way and their business. And that sound we hear, it's not the echo of E.F. Hutton's words, but the eternally reverberating words of Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And that loud crashing sound of an implosion, that's E.F. Hutton's house collapsing into the sand. 
So as we think about that and we think about who we listen to, remember, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Listen to him. By the way, you can also hear Soul Ramblings podcast if you have the Facebook app on your iPhone or your Android phone. You can hear the podcast via the Facebook page, Soul Ramblings podcast on Facebook. And we've got a link to that in the show notes of this episode. And also on that page, while you're there, there's a link to review with stars and a place for comments. Your comments can bring more traffic to our Facebook page and more listeners to the podcast. We'd be also grateful if you would do that. You can also get social with us over on Instagram. We have an account there, link in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, you can catch me preaching over at Trinity United Methodist Church in Bradenton, Florida. Link is in the show notes. You can live stream on the website or their Facebook page and see that on Facebook Live at 1015 Eastern Time Sunday morning. We'll have the uh, sermon for that on next week's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And remember to keep your mind on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. I'm Jerry Wicker. want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. Until next week, grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.